0: Welcome everyone to our weekly Zerashim Zer- Shon shiur on the Parashah. Today's Parashah is Parashat Ki Tavo um, in Devarim. We're going to be doing a couple of different drushim. One of them I might even do outside if we get to it. But first we're going to do the Ma'amar khet, the eighth Ma'amar of the Zerashim Shon. This shiur should be a Melitz Yosher for all those that need... Um, a zivug and those that are single should be able to get married as soon as possible those that need children, Hashem should give them children Mm -hmm. and it should be for the refuat shalema of Ahuva bat Tova and Ariel David ben Farahnaz Mm -hmm. and And Me'in ben Parviz and Parvin and Sarah bat Rivga Rivka Sarah Sarah Bat Rivka Asher bin Sultanat And Asher ben Saltanat. Okay This week's parashat, parashat Kitavon Is a parashat that has blessings In it For Am Yisrael And also the opposite Right Moshe Rabbeinu is telling B'nai Israel What will happen And the Jews are you know Accepting this We accepted it What will happen if we keep the Torah and what would happen, not what could happen, what would happen if we don't keep the Torah. I'm pretty sure that by now we've seen the truth of the Torah and Moshe Rabbeinu's prophecy because we've pretty much seen everything that should not have happened. Every curse that has come in this week's parasha about what would happen if we don't keep the Torah has already happened. So if anybody asks you, you know, <laughs> how do you know that the Torah is God-given, <laughs> just look at these parashiot and go through these things, the curses that the Torah says about what would happen when we don't keep the Torah. And you, it's, it's scary. It's scary how some of them are like so exact, you know, who could have foreseen such a thing? Only HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Only Hashem could tell you what will happen in the future thousands of years later. One of the blessings that we read in this week's parasha is, "Yiftach Hashem lecha et osaro hatov et ha-shamayim latet metar arsecha be'itoh ulvarech et kol ma'ase yadecha Beautiful baracha. Beautiful baracha. May we all have these barachot all the time. Amen. Amen. It says, Hashem shall open His Otsaro, Otsar, like a storage house, big store storehouses, his storehouses of goodness, the heavens to provide rain for you in your land, and not only that, that rain should be in its time. You know how good it is when rain is in its time? You know what it's called? It's not a tropical storm. That's definitely what it's not. <laughs> what a tropical storm is is rain not at its time. That's what happens, hurricanes, and then earthquakes, and the hurricane, right, and all that stuff. That's a tropical storm. Rain in its time is a big blessing. When rain comes, when the crops really need rain, when it's in time, or when it's in the right amount, that is a blessing in itself. When rain comes, like the gutters just open and then it closes off, it's like California all again. We don't know what to do with all of this water. Oh, we missed a chance. It was too fast, too much. That's what literally California does every single time. We're still in a drought. Why? We weren't prepared for that much rain, so we kind of let the water go. And it just went. That's pretty much California in a nutshell. So, that's the blessing the Torah gives, and it continues. "Ulvarechet <inaudible> kol And you shall have blessing, and blessed will be your handiwork. So now, The Midrash says as follows. That's in Devarim Rabbah. It says like this. What does it mean, and it shall be blessed, your, your, your handiwork shall be blessed? What does it mean? You know what it means? Even the, the, the money that you have in your pocket, the smallest amount of money that you have in your pocket, that's also going to be blessed. Meaning not only you're going to receive rain on time and your crops are going to be growing on time and they're going to be great, right? Also, the money that you have in your pocket will also be a blessing. You'll have more money. By the way, blessing on crops is, is, is one of the most uh, visual blessings that you could possibly experience. I know that we don't have any farmers here today. No Joes. But... I, my kids and I planted a, what? Someone's a farmer? Oh, yeah, my dad's Oh, your dad. Dad's a farmer. You're not a farmer. Your dad's a farmer. It's like the same thing, actually. Okay, fine. I would consider it. Fine. All right. The farmer's daughter. The, far, the farmer's daughter. We have the farmer's daughter here. <laughs> um, I've planted with, with my kids, my kids, this time it was really my kids mostly, they planted a veggie, v- veggie garden, vegetable garden. Like tomatoes and like zucchinis and, huh? No, no, not that kind of vegetable. <laughs> Stuff like that. And you, you, it's like when it actually grows and it gives forth fruit, you don't know the the, 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 it's so, it's such an amazing feeling to be like, oh, look at all these tomatoes. Like imagine what farmers feel when their entire produce comes forth. And chas v'shalom, the opposite. right? So when the Torah says that you will be blessed, that the rain will come on time, it's talking about the crops and stuff, and just because we're not farmers, it doesn't mean it, that it doesn't matter. It matters a lot, because that's where the blessing of the entire world comes from, from produce. And then, on top of that, the money that you have in your pocket, the Midrash says it means, meaning your, your, your handiwork will also be a blessing. What does that mean? That means money that you have in your pocket will also be blessed. So he says, this is difficult to understand. What is the connection between rain at the right time for your land and the money in your pocket? There's no connection between the two. Why is, why is the Midrash connecting your money and, and, and the field, the blessing of your field or, or rain together? It has nothing to do with each other. So he also says, if you want to answer me, as some commentators have answered, you know what the connection is between rain and the prutah in your pocket, those pennies in your pocket? It means that when God gives rain at the right time, produce will be cheaper. And produce is cheaper, bling, bling, more money in your pocket. Right? That's what it means. That's how you'll have more blessing in your pocket. You don't have to spend more for, for produce. So he says, No, but this is hard to understand. If that's what the Pasuk means, the Torah doesn't even have to say anything. Because that's just an outcome. Right? That's not an extra blessing. It's an outcome of that blessing that you already gave me. That what? You're going to have rain on time. You're going to have, there's going to be plenty. Of produce in the world. And when there's plenty, yes, obviously, like I'm gonna be spending less money for food. That's that's not that's not really necessarily considered as a double beracha, a second part of the bracha. Here it seems like the Torah is giving us two brachot here. One is you're gonna have rain on time, and the other other is <coughs> your handiwork will be blessed. And then the Midrash says your handiwork refers to your money in your pocket. Does it make sense? And if you tell me that it means, oh no, you're just gonna have more money because it rained enough and because there's enough produce, so you're not spending as much money. So he says, if that's what it meant, the Torah doesn't have to tell me that there's gonna be blessing on my handiwork. That's just an outcome of the great season that we've had. It's just an outcome, right? In itself, you don't have to tell me that's a part of that same blessing. Is that collateral? Okay, I don't want it to be too deep. Some people are complaining like, eh. I don't understand what you're saying, right? Okay. It's really not that. Easy. Okay. Great. Because here, expressly, it, it states it as if it's two brachot, but it's really one bracha. So now. Hey, we can understand this from the Gemara in Baba Batra Tadi Aleph Amud Bet page 91, second side of the page. says like this. The Brita over there teaches that in a time of famine there's people that live in Eretz Yisrael, there's laws of people that live in Eretz Yisrael. If you live in Israel you can't just up and leave. You can't. If you're a citizen of Eretz Yisrael, not citizen by means of the government. I mean like, you are a you live in it. You live in Israel, whether you're a citizen there or not, legally. You can't just be like, "I'm gone. I'm just going to leave." No, according to the Torah, you can't really do that. There's only certain guidelines, and and there's certain times that come into play that you would be allowed to leave Eretz Israel. What are those? So he says, like. The price of food, if the price of food has gone so high that, let's say, two kilos of wheat costs, uh, two kilos of wheat costs $100, which, let's say, is double the amount of what it's supposed to cost, meaning wheat has become doubled in price. The Gemara over there says like this, Amar Rabbah Barbar Amar Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbah Barbar says in the name of Rabbi Yochanan. Meaning, okay, so if it doubles in price, you're not allowed to leave. You can't be like, oh, it's too expensive living in Israel, I need to leave. Just because like you used to buy a box of cereal for $3, now it's $6, you can't decide to leave Eretz Israel because of that. If something has gone up in price, you can't leave. So he says, Lo ella ma'ot be'zol u'perot They taught this ruling in the Gemara that you're not allowed to leave if something becomes double, if things become double in price, like produce. (laughs) This ruling was only taught in regards to a time when money's cheap, meaning people have, people have money to spend, but the produce is too expensive, right? You have a job, you're making money, but gas, like, for instance, just you, For instance, like a gallon of gas, like it's like an exorbitant amount, like 5.29 a gallon, like crazy, <laughs> that would be crazy, right? <laughs> so, like, imagine that. Like, it used to be like two dollars under one president, and then randomly, for no reason whatsoever, nothing to do with the current president, it just becomes 5.29 a gallon, mm-hmm. right? So, if this happened in <laughs> really happen. what? That's kind of what happened. Oh, really? Happen. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm saying. Was, uh, I'm sorry. My sarcasm is evil. <laughs> so says so if this happens in Israel, you can't be like I. Right, I'm going to Texas. You know, like so many people did from one of the states. I don't know which state it was that like millions of people left. From um, this one. Oh, it was this one? Yeah. Okay. Like many people <laughs> left California and New York for the same reason. And the robberies. The robberies de- definitely helped. Definitely helped. But maybe for the robberies. But if the cost of gas, let's say, goes up in Eretz Israel, you can't just be like, I'm leaving. You can't do that. Because you're still making money. Okay. Cost of living has gone up. Not a good excuse. Y'all can't leave. Stay. Okay. However, if money is expensive, meaning by maot money is expensive. What it means is there is less money to go around. You don't have enough money. People don't have enough money. And even if the price of gas is two dollars but you just don't have that money per gallon, you still can leave from Eretz Israel to Chutz Laretz. Because the money is what's scarce, not the produce. The produce is there and it's the regular price. Wheat is $50 per kilo. Not a hundred, it's not double, it's $50 and it's what it should be, let's say, right? But you just don't have that money to spend on it. Because the value of money has gone down and you don't have the money. What happens is, at that time, the Gemara says, then you are allowed to leave. Even if there's an abundance of food. Notice what it's talking about. The Gemara is saying there's abundance of food. There's a lot of food, but you just can't afford it. You, because you don't have the money for it. People just don't have the money. Which means, the money has been hidden away that it's gotten it doesn't have the value it used to have. And therefore, it's like you don't have money. You can't afford it. Ya question? Yeah. Does that come with an expectation that you're supposed to come back there to Eretz Israel? I don't. What do you mean? So if you're leaving because there's no money, is there an expectation? Oh, that's the that's a good question. Um, meaning, if the person is allowed, if we're saying the person would be allowed in a scenario to leave Eretz Israel, does that is it mean that are we saying that it's temporary as the expectation of you coming back, or does it mean you can just leave? I'd say that no, it's with the expectation that if things do turn good, you might have to come back unless like it would, it would completely like, I don't know, people come to a different country and they start a life to have a family, this and that, and then going back might like, you know, let's say the guy came back and he was allowed to, he was allowed to leave Eretz Yisrael and he went to, to New York. Started a life, children went to school, yada, yada. Now things get better. Now he has a different question. Now his kids speak English. They don't even speak Hebrew. If he goes over there, they're going to be like newcomers. It's difficult. So these things are things that you ask a competent rabbi to help in these situations to make sure that there's no damage being done to your family by you moving to Eretz Yisrael, which is something that happens quite often, right? Making aliyah to Eretz Yisrael is one of the best things you can do, but it's not a choice that you can make alone, right? It it always depends on where you are in life right, upping and saying, oh, you know, you, you got a wife and three kids, and you're like, ah, I want to go to Eretz Israel. your batbach wife just got a job, you know, she doesn't speak Hebrew, your kids are like 14, 17, and 19, not a word of Hebrew, you want to just take them over there and just like, you know, it's going to be like galut to them, you know, so therefore there has to be competent rabbis that are involved in that decision so that you don't just, you know, Completely, not saying that Chas going to Eretz Yisrael is wrong. I'm just saying making the decision on your own would be wrong. So Ad Khan. So he's saying even if there's an abundance of, even if there is an abundance of food, if money is scarce, then you have the, you would have the permission to leave. So he says here, therefore according to this, So now we're going back to the blessing. This is even if Hakadosh Baruch Hu was, would give the rain at its right time, meaning the right time would make it so that what? So that produce is very cheap. Cost of food is cheap because there is rain, there's no famine, there's water coming in, crops are growing normally, there is an abundance of wheat, barley, fruits, vegetables. Everything is out there. Baruch Hashem, everything with Baracha, it's out there. So he says, but that's not a full yoker. Because if it is so, that money doesn't have the value that it should, and you can't even afford all the abundance that's around you, that's not a baracha. Hashem is giving the rain and the dew on time and everything is growing perfectly, but you're, you, can't, you can't afford it. What kind of berakha is that? That's not a full bracha if you can't have it. So, as indeed Rabbi Yochanan says, Rabbi Yochanan says, I remember a time when four se'ah, which is a measurement, four se'ah of wheat was one se'ah. A se'ah is a, 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 a money, which was the normal price, right? Vahavo, nefishe nefiche kafan betveria isar, says, wheat, barley, everything was at the normal price. It was cheap. But people's stomachs were blown with air because they couldn't afford food in Tveria. How much people were, were starving? But there was plenty. There was plenty of food. But people were starving because they couldn't. And that's what? That's a curse by itself so he's saying here and because of this the second part of the blessing becomes and I bless all of your handiwork which means what? that's what the Midrash says that's the money in your pocket why is that connected to the rain? that's connected to the rain why? because even if it rains plenty and the crops grow normally plentiful, there's plenty to go around if the money in your pocket has no berakha, you haven't really received the blessing so he says, that's why the Midrash says you know, the blessing of the rain, you know how it's connected to money in your pocket, because if the money in your pocket has no value all the blessing rain that comes into the world is not going to help you, you're still going to go hungry there's no blessing in that right this You know, us being Persian Me being Persian Okay, I know there's other ethnicities here By the way, did you guys know Iran is a part of Asia? Asia? Yeah. Yeah. I love filling out those forms That asks your ethnicity And I always put Asian And I know these guys get confused (laughs) When they look at me And they see that I've chosen Asian And I just look at them and they can't say a thing. You know why? Because I might identify I as was an Asian. Gonna say. Huh? Huh? <laughs> ah? Gotcha there. Yeah but, yeah, but like Ryan, stop. That's like not Discriminate against that. I don't know what you just said, but I agree with you 100%. I agree with you. I feel discriminated against when a man also So, I, me I, I was this is what I was trying to say. I remember as a child, I, I always remember with my father, Shalom, <clears throat> my mother, she should be well. They would always tell me, like, you want money that has barakah. You know, what is it? And, and I would always like, when I was a kid, I didn't understand what it means, like money that has baraka. And then later on, when I grew up, like, she would tell me, money that has barakah is that somehow the same, the same dollar, one dollar, let's say, That one dollar, all of a sudden you see that it just lasts you more than what a dollar should. You know, and I'm sure people have noticed this. Sometimes or some months you're making the same amount of money every single month, right? And then one month you see like somehow like you were better off and you still have some money left over. Right? It's, I, I, I could say this is like an extra explanation of what we're saying in the Zera show. It's not exactly that. But this is what it reminded me of. Right? That a person wants money that has blessing on it. Because when money has a blessing on it, it, it works for you, not against you. Allow me to explain. Okay? Let me explain. I want, to, I want to be clear so that you guys don't whine to me afterwards in like comments and stuff like that. Like, what are you saying? Right? Um, In the 1980s, there was... Can you guys add some hot water to this for me, please? Of course. Thanks so much. So, thank you. In the 1980s, there was a um, philanthropist in... I think he was in Mexico. If I'm not mistaken. You can Google this. It's like a very well-known story. He was in Mexico. And and he, he... Jewish guy. Jewish Mexican. And thank you very much. Quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jewish-Mexican But not observant All of a sudden, things happen in his life And he decides, you know what, you know, he's got little kids He's got a family He wants to be home for Shabbat at least And he makes a pact with himself That on Shabbat, no matter what happens He is home for candle lighting And he's home for kiddush with his family You heard this, Ryan? So listen And He makes this pact, no matter how many business deals he's had, he would make it home before Shabbat for candle lighting for his, you know, to have kiddush with his family, even though it didn't matter, Shomer Shabbat, not Shomer, he just wanted to be home. He had this uh, big office building in Central City, and he had been trying to sell this office building for a long time. And finally, a group of outsiders come. I think they were Japanese or Chinese or something like that. And they were interested in buying this building from him. And they're going back and forth with their lawyers, both sides, trying to sign the deal. And it happened to be that the last part of this uh, business deal fell on Friday. And the lawyers are sitting in this big conference room. Everybody, like, contract, passing this contract, reading this, putting this in the amendment, and da da. And he's looking at his watch. And he's just coming close to Sharia, and like he needs to be home. He wants to be home an hour before Shabbat, and just he keeps asking like, how how much longer? How much longer? They're like, uh, give it a minute. You know, it's millions of dollars over here. You know, let chillax. Finally, he says, listen, can we please, can we please take over Saturday night or Sunday? Uh, because I need to go for my home for my Sabbath. We'll we'll pick up again. So they go, listen, we're we're leaving on. On, I think they were leaving back on Sunday or something like that. We make the deal now, we make the deal. We don't make it, we don't, it's, it's offensive. Their lawyers are like, yeah, it's offensive to them, they don't, you know. He waits another like 20 minutes, he says, you know I, I can't do this. I made one promise to myself, in himself, he's like, I made one thing with myself, I, I can't, I just can't. How many of them am I gonna break? So he says, listen, I'm really, really sorry, we can pick this up on Sunday if you're really interested. Whenever you want, just, I'll, I'll cut you guys a deal, I need to go home. I can't do this. They get all ticked off like this guy's crazy. Eh. I don't know how they say crazy in their language, but whatever. Local. No. That's in I'm talking about them. I think they were like Chinese or Japanese or something. So So they leave. He goes home and I mean come on. Anybody. Anybody would be having these feelings. He's sitting at the table. He's trying to concentrate on, 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 on eating and ha- having the Shabbat meal. And he's the whole time he's thinking, like, millions of dollars after such a long time. They came. <laughs> what did I do? Maybe I made a mistake. Maybe this time I should have. Da-da-da. It was very hard for him. Comes Sunday, calls. They don't pick up. They don't want they don't, to they don't talk to him. Missed out on the deal completely. And he was eating himself for a while. Like, I can't believe I missed out on this deal. Like Millions of dollars now have to start over. and know Who's going to come buy it? All of a sudden, I don't remember the exact year. I don't know if it was 1983, 85. Right? There was a major earthquake in Mexico and toppled many, many buildings. Central City, many buildings went down. 7.4? Yeah, it was like 7.1, I think. The only building that stood and its structure was not um, ruined, was his building. Why was this significant? That year, World Cup was going to be in Mexico. You know what it means when the World Cup Series soccer is in a country? Like all the countries have to come over there for months in advance, sometimes years in advance, to prepare, they need offices. The only standing office building was his office building. Not for sale, for rent. He made more money out of rent than he would have selling the building. So now, imagine what would have happened. This is what we mean by Beracha. Hakadosh Baruchu says Shabbat is the blessing for everything. For everything. I told you guys many times, I've gone to Rabbanim to get brachot, and they don't give me brachot, they go, Shabbat. If you keep Shabbat, you honor Shabbat, you have all the blessings in the world, you don't need anything else. Shabbat is me'en olam haba, it's got the blessings of the world to come. There's nothing better than Shabbat. So if a person does not sacrifice Shabbat for their business, imagine where that business is going to go. Imagine where his life is going to lead him. Imagine what he was thinking afterwards. Like, wow. Wow. Over Kiddush. Over just wanting to be home. Forget keeping Shabbat. It wasn't about keeping Shabbat. Wanting to be home with his family. What happened? Instead of selling it and getting rid of it, God knows what, what would have happened. How long it would have taken? God knows. But That's just to see that when the Zerashim Shon here also says, you know, we want... We want money. Everybody wants money in life, right? But what we should ask for is beracha, not for just money, right? So, what is it then when we say when we daven for parnasa? What do we say? We don't say Hashem give us parnasa. What do we say? We say parnasa tova. Give us good parnasa. We thought about it. Is there such a thing as a bad parnasa? Money is money. Obviously, it's not just money. We want parnasatova. What that means is Hakadosh kadosh Baruch Hu give us the blessing. Give us the money that has the blessing. I want that pruta in my pocket. I want that dime in my pocket to be worth something. If you have the dime and it's not worth anything, you, you gain nothing. You know, I'll give you an the example. There's, I'm not going to, because I, it's on video, I'm not going to bring names. But I'm sure everybody will know what I'm talking about. There's countries out there, the money is literally, has no value. No value. The money has no value. Like $1 is like 20 something thousand of their money. So you wanna buy literally, when you wanna go just to buy produce, you're already in the millions, you know? million uh one million two point I don't know, for like one bag of oranges and some watermelons and stuff imagine dealing with those numbers for food that's what happens when money has no value right they have but it's got no value it's got no value the more uh, you have to spend so much and so uh, unfortunately there's a lot of people that don't have they live in poverty in these countries because they just don't have they don't have it right? so that's Okay, we're making good time, so I'll, I'll, I'll double down with the second ma'amar, everyone, but in short, because I feel it's connected to what we did right now. Did everyone follow the one that we did right now? Anyone need a recap? Anyone need a, I don't know, a glass of wine or something? Everyone's good? Okay. Because if you do want a glass of wine, we could have someone providing that for you in your dreams. So the Rosh the second ma'amar, the second ma'amar of the of the Zara Shimshon, deals with the mitzvah of Bikurim. The mitzvah of Bikurim was that when a person would have a, uh, a, a field of trees or whatever it was pro, um, of their produce, the first fruits that would grow on those trees, they would tie like a string around those fruits like the, that, those fruits would be called like the Bechor of that tree. They were the first fruits. And as they would finally grow and become nice and juicy, they would have to bring those to Yerushalayim and bring them to the Beit HaMikdash and give them to the Kohen. And it was an ordeal it was an ordeal. They would put it on, a, on an animal and they would put ornaments around it and they would sing in the streets that a person, I'm bringing my bikurim to HaKadosh Baruch Hu to thank Hashem for, my, for the fruits that He's given me, for the field that He's given, for the bracha that He's bestowed upon me. It was a beautiful thing. So He says, the Torah says, Hashem says to Bnei Israel, when you bring your bikurim, who do you take the bikurim to in the Beit HaMikdash? The Kohen. But what kohen, not just any kohen, the Torah emphasizes what kohen you take it to. Anyone can take a guess. Anyone a kohen here? No. Anyone can take a guess what kohen the Torah says you take it to? What? Nope. On the nope. In your time. What? In your time. Yehuda. Bullseye. Bullseye. Let me see your face for a sec. Let me see your face for a sec. What? Yehuda. The kohen in your time. The Torah says, Asher yihye bayamim hahem. Go to the kohen of your time. What does that mean? What does the Torah have to tell me? What, what am I going to go to? The kohen of, of, of someone else's time? I'm going I'm to take the car back to the future and take my bikurim to the kohen from 50 years ago? What does that mean? right, Yehuda, I'm very proud of you. Very proud of you. I've taught you well. <laughs> so Rashi says, Rashi says, <speaking in Hebrew> That makes it even more interesting. Look at what Rashi says. Rashi says, You only have the Kohen in your time as is. That's what Rashi says. Take it or leave it. It is what it is. You take it to the Kohen of your time, Shehu. <speaking in Hebrew> As it is. Kemotcho means package deal. You know, whoever it is, that's who it is. I mean, uh, you, you could even ask, like, why did Rashi even have to tell me that? But, like, Rashi is emphasizing what the Torah is saying. You know what the Torah is saying? Just go to the to- Kohen. Whoever it is, that's the one it is, and that's the one you're going to go to. That's it. What does this all mean? Kasheh. Ma bekan anashim gedolim. First of all, it, it kind of. When Rashi tells us that, you know what the Torah means? It means you have to go to the Kohen as is. It's as if Rashi's trying to take a, 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 an assumption away from our minds. Which is what? The assumption is that you would have thought, I want to take it to a big Kohen, right? I want to take my Bikurim to the big one, right? So Rashi, Rashi is basically saying, I know what you're thinking. Don't. Take it to whichever one there is over there. Come on, show as it is, right? So he's asking, why would we have that premise to begin with? Why would, we th- why would this be something that a person would think, I wanna take it to the big one. I don't wanna take it to Mr. You know, Joe Cohen. I'm gonna take it to, Ha, haga'on, Hagadol, Harav, so-and-so, ha That's the coin I want to take. Why would you be thinking that? Why would Rashi even think that a person would be thinking that way? Do you understand the question? Why would we think that people would want to take it to a very big coin? Why, why would anyone have a problem with taking it to a regular coin in the Begta Tash? I get it. You get it? Yeah. This is exactly why we're doing this ma'amar for people like you. <laughs> oh, you walked right into that one, Gabby. <laughs> Because if you're going to tell me that it's because maybe there's going to be some halachic question or puzzle or something, right? For then it would be appropriate and sometimes necessary to say that he must go to accept the judge's ruling regarding like, you know, you have to go to someone great, great. Because as we say, this is a saying, Yiftach in his generation like Shmuel in his generation. each Meaning each generation has their greats. You can't say, oh, you know, what are these Rabbanim that we have today? You know, in my time, we lived in the time. No, everyone in their time is as great as the generation reserves. Right? It says, avalkan, but over here, hakohen en lokim lekabel hadoron. The job of the Kohen here is just to accept the Bikurim. That's it. He pretty much doesn't have any other job. There are no questions here. There are no halachic questions here. Where do I cut? Where do I did it? There is no, you know what I mean? Like, you only need a kohen to be like, thank you. And then they wave it up and down, left and right in these directions. And he's now given his bikurim to the Beit HaMegdash. That's it, right? So what are we thinking here? Why would he? Why would we want someone else? Why would we think that we want someone uh, you know, specific in this situation. So he says, so he says the Ramban, the Ramban also felt that there's a question here also. And he says, and furthermore, when it says, Ve'amarta elav, the verse says that you shall say to him, <coughs> meaning the person that brings the Bikurim, says to the Kohen, he says, I declare today to Hashem that I have come to the land that Hashem swore to my forefathers to, to give us and, and, and all that pasuk, right? You make this declaration that I've brought my Bikurim. What is it for? What is it? Why do you make this declaration? You are making this declaration to show that you are, you, you are being appreciative of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. You say these things to show appreciation to Hashem. She says, Why is it necessary for him to convey to the Kohen that he appreciates HaKadosh Baruch Hu? The fact that he's bringing Bikurim, that in itself is the appreciation. You know why we bring Bikurim? Why do we bring our first fruits to the Beit Hamikdash and give it to the Kohen? The whole mitzvah is appreciation. I am bringing the first fruits of my tree to the Beit HaMikdash. Why? Because I want to thank Hashem for giving me a tree that give it, gave me fruits. And I'm so thankful that I'm bringing the first of the fruits to Hashem. That's the whole thank you. So he says, why, does it, why is there need for, the, for it to say, And he's going to say to him that I'm being appreciated. Uh, there's no need. You are doing the appreciation here already. That's the job. So he answers like this. The mitzvah of Bikurim is Very very soon We will be able to experience this mitzvah I can't wait to see the Beit HaMikdash Flourish It's going to be amazing It's going to be amazing I'm telling you So the Kohen Gadol Not the Kohen, sorry The Kohen, regular Kohen Comes You bring the Bikurim in a basket and he puts his hands under your hands as you are holding the basket of whatever fruits it is that you've brought. And you, they wave it. The henifoto, there is a waving process. Up, down, left, right, and side to side, to these directions. right? And he takes these bikurim from you. So he says, and the main primary reason of the waving is What do these wavings do? In, in a mystical sense, what they do is that you're waving towards the different directions of different winds and different rains. We don't understand what these are. Where do different rains come from? Where do different winds come from? But, you know, I don't even know if this is scientifically, maybe in science there is already that talk about this. There are winds that are harmful for crops, like like hot winds. Warm winds are harmful for crops. They have to be a normal temperature. Sometimes there's winds that come from hot temperature places and it's hot sometimes. So therefore, he says kabbalistically, mystically, when you're waving this thing, what it does, it manifests so that this year there should be winds coming from the places that will bring your crops to flourish and rains and dew from places that will make your crops flourish. Meaning they're, they're going to come at the right time, at the right place, at the right speed. So everything will go well. And that's what this th- t- tinufah does. Because of this, it's en lecha therefore it needed to tell you You only go to the Kohen in your time. Why? Meaning to say, You shouldn't say to yourself, You come to Rebait HaMikdash with your first Bikurim. And you see a 21-year-old Kohen. No beard. No white hair. And you take one look and you go, This little dude, this guy... This guy's gonna somehow stop the bad rains coming for me. He's a little. He just came from seminary. My berader, or my uncle, is rav. Or like as Persians say, my uncle is a chazan. Forget rav. <laughs> when they say he was a chazan, it means, <laughs> you know, enough said, <laughs> right? So. Here, saying the guy comes and he sees a young Kohen and he says, he's gonna, he's with his, how does he know the Kavanot? Does he know the Kabbalistic things behind these Kavanot for him to stop the bad rains and bring good rain for me? Ah, Am I gonna trust my blessings to him? So he says, rather, you should know you have to have in mind that there is no kohen except the kohen of your days, regardless of his greatness. That's what the pasuk is telling us. Why? <laughs> Hashem knows a person's heart. <laughs> so he says, because if this kohen was not worthy, and if his heart was not in the, in the right place, he wouldn't be in the Beit HaMikdash in the first place. HaKadosh Baruch Hu knows exactly who needs to be where. If this young little Kohen is in the Beit HaMikdash serving, you should know he has the position because Hashem wants him to have that position. Or else there were other positions for him to have also. Ve'od, and furthermore, through the per- performance of the mitzvah when you're waving it mitpashet Hashem, that plenty comes from the chesed of Hashem anyway Af Im ha-osem mitzvah eno it Says even if this Kohen is doing this mitzvah without knowing all the secrets of the kavanot and all the different uh, aspects of what needs to be done and how many times you have to close your eyes and what Kavanah you should have it'll still come because Hashem has put him in that position it says, I love." That's why it says, "And you shall tell him." And asked, "Tell him that what? That you're thankful? You already, you're already saying that you're thankful by giving it. Why do you have to say anything, right? <coughs> that you're being. Why should you tell him that you're being appreciative? <laughs> because these bad winds that we were saying, or the bad rain that ruins the crops." Because there's a lot of Chachmei Teva, the scientists of nature that time, it's called Chachmei teva, natural scientists, would say that these come from different constellations, this and that. And you would think to yourself, it doesn't come from a koach of the kohen. Ella, you would say that it comes from the mazalot. Therefore... The Torah tells you, V'amarta, I love, you're going to say this out loud to the Kohen, to remember that the fact that you had crops that were great last year and you were able to bring Bikurim to the Beit had nothing to do with science, had nothing to do with nature, had nothing to do with the report of the weatherman or how he decided the weather is going to be. It was all from the blessing of the Hakadosh Baruch Hu, of Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Don't put your trust in that person's beard or the person's you think he has going to have kavanot. If he's doing that job and if he's the kohen in your time, that's the person you're going to trust, and that's the person you're going to go with, and period. That's it. This, my friends, is so relevant in our times. Because many of us sometimes have questions. Right? Or many people sometimes have problems. People sometimes have issues. Right? So they go, ask so-and-so, Rav, of your town, how to do this. No, 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 no. I asked them. He told me I should start, you know, keeping Shabbat better. And... No, 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 no. Do you know a Kabbalist that I can go to? What do you think a Kabbalist is going to do for you? He's going to tell you not to keep Shabbat. Like, if he does, you're insane and so he is, is he. If anybody tells you that you don't keep Shabbat and you're okay and everything's going to be dandy, they're lying to you. And this is unfortunately something that happens. Sometimes I get calls. People have this problem, that problem, yada, 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 yada. Right? And I tell them, listen, you should definitely speak to Rav so-and-so. Yeah, but he told me that I have to do this and I have to do that. And I'm going, waiting. like, And, yeah, yeah but like, didn't you know anyone else like, can, can give me a, like a bracha for this to go away? <laughs> just want the easy way out. Because they don't accept the fact that the person that's in your time, he's the accepted rav of your time, and he knows you, he knows you well, he knows what you need, and is telling you, this is the problem. How could you want XYZ to go well when, when you're, not eating, you're, you're not keeping kashrut? How could you want XYZ to go well if you're not keeping tarat hamishpacha family purity? And you want, like, it doesn't work out that way. It could work out that way for a certain amount of time. That's called HaKadosh Baruch Hu's mercy and patience. And then sometimes things don't work out anymore. And then a person's like puzzled. I don't understand. I've been stealing the same amount of money for 20 years. Nothing happened. <laughs> now all of a sudden something's happening and the Rav is telling me it's because I'm a thief. Can't be. Can't be. Because... I've been a thief for a long time, and everything was great. You know what that's called? God's patience. God's patience has just run out, waiting and waiting. Now someone's telling you, stop stealing money, and things hopefully will get better. Right? I'm, I'm bringing the example of theft as, as a very major example, but no, it's, changed. It, it, it's changed. right, people, people cannot, we, 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 Cannot It's not that we cannot Change is hard for human beings yeah. It's very hard It's very hard It's very hard But there's no growth without change There's no struggle. growth without change That's life a time struggle. That's life And then what, we, what do we do When the rabbi Putting that in quote-unquote, when when the rabbi, your rabbi, the one without a beard, the one without the white hair, the one with that, Says, you know what? You should try this. And it happens a lot. You think to yourself, I don't know. What does he know anyway? He's like, what? 12 years older than me? I need to go to like a, a rabbi, rabbi that will tell me from now on, put your shoe on your head when you walk down the stairs. You know, some, something like really freaky, so that I'll connect to it and be like, this is the answer to all my problems. Now I'll get married so fast because I walked with my shoe on my head. Again, I'm bringing really crazy examples, right? But in my eyes, that's what I see every day with the things, the things that people do. With the pe- things that people do to like, and it's so crazy. You know, we have such talmidei chachamim, great rabbanim, great rabbanim that know they have so much chokhmah. People go to them and they tell them, listen, your problem is you need to keep kosher. Right? And then they'll come to like, someone like me, and they'll be like, yeah, but he told me I have to keep kosher. I, 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 I can't. Send me to someone else that will tell me that I need to stab myself. I'd rather do that than keep, like, it's like, that's what I hear. Like, I'd rather do like hard drugs than have to deal with keeping kosher right now. I can't do it, right? So fine, then you you feel like you on the other end of the phone, you feel like you want to tell them then, so be it. Enjoy. You know, there's nothing else I can tell you. There are certain things that come from the chachamim of your generation. And the chachamim of the generation know best what to tell you. And sometimes that could be your local rabbi. And sometimes that local rabbi, the same guy, no beard, no white hair, or no whatever, blah, blah, blah. And he might, he might be the one to actually tell you, go to this other rabbi. And whatever that other rabbi tells you, do it. And I'm telling you, that I've, I've, had, I've had personal experiences with this people that have had one issue for years. And it's so heartbreaking because I saw that issue become bigger and bigger and bigger and worse and worse. It was heartbreaking. And at the end, they finally had to come back to step number one, which was five, six years prior to that. They were told, this is what you need to do. And then they went to the big rav, and the big rav told them, this is what you need to do. And then Baruch Hashem, when they started doing that, wow, miraculous. Miracles, like start, things start working out. It's, it was a simple one, two, three. And it could have been taken care of so quickly. But sometimes we just want the easy way out. But no, I, 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 I can't. It's just too hard for me. Shabbat is too hard for me. Kashrut is too hard for me. Tarat HaMishpacha, family purity, too hard for me. Uh, 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 not saying Lashon Hara, too hard for me. Name it. Mitzvot are not easy. No one ever said they are. Nobody. <laughs> Mitzvot are so easy, said no one. That should be like a bumper sticker. Mitzvot aren't easy, right? But it has to become a way of life for us. When it becomes a way of life, it brings the blessing with it. brings blessings with it. And when we, as the Jewish nation, when things don't go the way we want them to go, right away we are told, look to see what's missing. Look to see where we went wrong. Speak to someone. Maybe it's something that you could do. And I'll leave you with this. And this is a very... This is a very long discussion in itself. But I just want to give you an anecdote here that has helped me a lot. Um, I might have even said it before, but I'll say it again. Rev. Rev- Victor Millers at Sal says, What is hell? What is one aspect of Gehinam? Hell. He says, "Just I'm putting it in a capsule. Literally, I can't, this is something, it's a beautiful thing. I can't go into it. He says, you know what hell is? It's a place of no change. Think about it. All of Olam Habba, all of the world to come after we're 120, is a place of no change. Imagine. Imagine, after 120, you go up there, and in a split second, in a split second, you're, you have this rush of regret of like, oh my God, I just saw the truth. I'm looking at it. Oh my God, the whole time was, was kosher? That's what it was? That's what it was the whole time? I knew that, I just, okay, okay, I'm gonna. And, and instantly you think to yourself, okay, okay, I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna. I'm gonna and then someone says, sorry, time's up. Can't do it anymore. No, 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 but I want to. Yeah, but you can't change anymore. You had 93 years to change. Today is the day that you will not change ever again. And Ravig says, you know what hell is? Eternity of you in your own mind, your neshama says, I wanted to change. I wanted to do it. I knew I should have done it. Why didn't I do it? Why didn't I do it? Why didn't I do it? I want to do it. You know where we learned that from? The Gemara says, one time, and a, 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 a desert man takes one of the Chachamim into the desert and he says, listen here, what do you hear? So he hears screaming, screaming and cries coming out. He says, listen closer. And he listens closer and he hears people saying, Moshe emet to emet. Moshe emet to emet. Moshe is true and his Torah is true. He says, what is this? He says, this is the hole that Korach and all the people around him got sucked into. And for eternity, they're screaming. Moshe is true and his Torah is true because they revolted against Moshe Rabenu, and the ground sucked them in. Rav Victor Miller says, that's their hell. They're screaming, I want to change. I know I was wrong. But they're going to be doing it for eternity. And everyone hears them saying, Oh my God, Moshe met the Torah to met. I know now, Moshe is true. And I knew then. I knew it was true. Too bad. Time's up. You can't do it anymore. You can't change anymore. Those are the things that we need in our lives. We need to come to the recognition that we have this time. And we take advantage of it. So when we go to Rabbanim, don't make it an excuse that, okay, I went to this rabbi, he's what? 15 years older than me. He told me I should try to do this. Do it. If you're not going to do it, if you're not ready for it, say so, let that person help you. Maybe they can send you to someone else. Because, believe me, it's out there. Everyone can, everyone can grow. Everyone. Sometimes you need to hear it the right way. And maybe one rabbi can't say it the right way to you. That's okay. They can send you to someone else that can help. But we have to understand like he said, Yiftach Kishpol Every generation has their Rabbanim. And they're there to help. Don't look for some Kohen Gadol when you're bringing your Bikurim. I want the one with the white hair. No. Your beracha comes from that tw- 20 year old. You know why? Because he was put in that position for you. That's where your baracha comes. You don't need to think about the kavanah. Do things right and the baracha will come. Do things right and you will have the barachot. Speak to the right people and the baracha will come. I'll end with this. I know I said I'll end with this three times already, I think. But I'll end with one more. Okay. I think I learned this from Rav Falaji. In his Haggadash al-Pesach, Rav Falaji was uh, Gaon. He brought a story about a, um, a chassid that had a rebbe. And he, every year he would go to this rebbe and he would get, get blessings from the rebbe. He would learn Torah from the rebbe and he had so much blessing in his life. One year he travels to another city to the rebbe's brother. And he sees that his rebbe's brother is an Ilui, Like he's like, wow. And he starts thinking to himself, I'm a chassid of this guy, his younger brother. I should be a chasid of this guy. Look at this guy! Look, at, he's he's much greater than the rebbe that I've been going to. So he starts little by little cutting ties from his old rebbe, and he starts going to this one that everyone has been going to. Everyone's getting blessings from, and they're they have such shefa because of him. And he, beca- and he becomes poorer, poorer, and poorer and poorer. Finally, he comes to the point that he's just he's. Besides himself, and he goes to this rebbe, and he says, "Listen, I want, I want to. T- like, I don't know what happened. I used to go to your brother in this time in our town, and it would get the blessings. Da, 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 da. I was, to- and I came to you as such an adam gadol, and everyone knows you're greater than him. Everyone's. I don't know what happens. He Says, I know exactly what happened. When you were going to him, you trusted in him that he's getting the shefa from Hakadosh Baruch It wasn't that you believed that he's got." You trusted that he's my Rav. Because he's my Rav, he gets a Shefa, he gets the blessing from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and you received it. You had that Emunah Pshuta and that's enough. Then you started doubting. You started picking and choosing, oh, he's got a longer beard, he's got a da-da-da, he's got a da-da-da-da. Even if I am greater, let's say, it's not going to help you. Because now you took things into your own hands. You're not tapping into the Shefa anymore. I can't help you. That is in a nutshell what the Zer Shimshon is saying about the Kohen. Don't be so, you know? Take what you have in your communities, cherish it, listen to the Rabbanim, if you're asking them for their advice, and be'ezrat Hashem, the bracha, the shefa will come because you have Emuna in the Torah. Not in the beard, not in the face, not in the youth, not in the age, but it's the Torah. Baruch Adonai Amen